25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for a touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to him. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Hey, hey, Thursday, boys and girls, what's happening with you? I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team, local agents that you get to know one-on-one, face-to-face. And you get to deal with them one-on-one, person-to-person, when it comes to anything insurance-related. And man, let me tell you. Sometimes things that are not fun happen, and it sure is nice to be able to pick up the cell phone and call. And you know them by name, by face, and on a first-name basis and all that kind of stuff. And that's what you get with Farm Bureau Insurance, and you can find a local agent, hometown heroes in all 82 counties across the great state of Mississippi. Welcome into the show on a Thursday. I'm Matt. Roger's here, although he didn't get much sleep. Isn't that right, Roger? Oh, I slept good last night. Oh, last night you slept oh, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, you had a uh, youth group thing last night, and uh, right. uh, twice as many showed up as we were expecting. <laughs> <laughs> they, were all, they were all making their own pizzas. I I, uh, I slept uh, really good after I finally got done with that. Roger, I am not <clears throat> laughing uh, in a sinister way because I want to see you struggle with it in any way it's just this thing of it's just this whole thing of you talked about it ahead of time the event where the youth get to come to the church and make their own pizza right yeah yeah this is a little fun thing you know? and then the first thing out of your Jesus. mouth today when i talk to you is man we had twice as many show up than we're supposed to <laughs> well, well thank god i usually uh, uh suspenders and belt approach <laughs> We had we had plenty. Okay. It was like lo- loaves and fishes. I was going to really. ask loaves and fishes. Somehow or another, we had just enough. Had one piece left. That's great. Well, that's good. And the purpose, the real purpose, which is not feeding their belly, but feeding their souls. That's right. Got, got was some served. of that in too. That's got right. you got some preaching in there also. Oh yeah, a little lesson. That a boy. Well, good. It's just funny to think like. Then they all watched the movie. Hey, <laughs> word gets around. Hey, you know over there at so and so church, they're giving away pizza. Say what? <laughs> Let's go. What time does it start? <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's exactly. It's like uh, what's that wedding crashers? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, we're yeah. welcome, but we're glad. We 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 love for the church to get crashed anytime. <laughs> come on and crash the church. Yeah, man, come on, bring it. As long as your name's not Todd McGuire, right? Because in the great. Uh, Tim Wilson, the late great comedian, in his song "The First Baptist Bar and Grill." Oh, I love that. The punchline in the whole song was, "He's a little something." He's yeah. Let the church on fire in the first place. 
So many people got saved, even Todd McGuire, the little SOB that set my church on fire. <laughs> <laughs> what a great line in you a gotta, song. You have got to play that sometime. And, and no poor doubt. fellow, he went on, went home to Gloria early. I think he was like 54. He was young. Yeah. And, and you know, within the last 10 years, probably, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he he came through here. You know, he, he was real nice guy. Uh, okay. Earth. Go ahead and say it, Roger. Go ahead and say it. The first time I met Tim Wilson. Well, the only time I met Tim, he was here <laughs> uh, performing, you know, for the morning show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would have loved to have been in his vicinity. He hooked up. If you look on he YouTube. Does, he does light up the room. He really I does. bet. He did, anyway. You know? He did. Yeah. yeah. Not so much anymore. Well, yeah. His music lives on. Well, when um, if you look on YouTube. There's some radio show somewhere that he hooked up with that he made appearances on their show like all the time. Yeah, yeah. And played songs and original songs and told jokes and stuff. So y'all look up Tim Wilson. It's it, he's just he's great. Well, you teased it so much we may have to. We're gonna have to play some. Yeah. Hey, Roger, absolute autonomy on that man. If you want to play it? Play it. That's you, you absolutely just let her rip. I, I remember there's several things about Tim Wilson and his comedy routines that I do remember. And he had a lot of sports-related stuff. You know, he was a huge NASCAR fan, right? Yeah. And he had the NASCAR song. And uh, it was about he, – he was named after, in the song, all these race car drivers. They named me, he said, Dale, Daryl, Waltrip, Richard Petty, something awesome, Bill, Irwin – Good year, something another, and that's, and then at the end of it, it goes uh, Smith. And there's a pause, and he says Junior. <laughs> All right, so he's a big NASCAR guy. Um, he had a lot of different sports material. He talked about Bill Clinton. He said, "You want to know the first time I decided I didn't like Bill Clinton? The first time I ever saw him." People laugh. <laughs> he says, "You know why? He's six four, two hundred and forty pounds." Did he play high school football? No. He played saxophone in the band. <laughs> Said he could have started at left tackle, and he opted for the fuzzy hat at halftime. And then, uh, of course, um, the, I remember the first time I met Bill Clinton. Come on now. Come on now, no, Roger. No, wait, I was in the, I somehow another ended up at the front of the stage when he was running uh, and like. Their first time, they were right down there at the intersection of state yeah. and capital. They had that whole thing blocked off. Had it blocked off. I huh? got in front of a bunch of Democratic leadership. Next thing I know, I was up there. You know? uh, Tim Wilson also said that, he said, banks are what's wrong with America. He said, uh, I'll give you an example. <laughs> he said, I got a bank in Atlanta, Georgia, charges me $3 every time I check the balance in my savings account. <laughs> in other words, I walk up to the counter and I say, how much money do I have in a bank? She says, $300. Well, 297. He said, "How much?" She said, "294." <laughs> he said, "Hold on. Time out." <laughs> he said, "You mean to tell me, theoretically, if I ask you another 97 times how much money I've got in the bank, in his words, I ain't got no more money." <laughs> so, that's all I'm going to do in terms of doing Tim Wilson's comedy routine on the radio. But it'll have to suffice. I'm not sure I have anything else that's any better for you today. 
Uh, if you are watching on the stream, hello on Facebook, hello on Twitter. You can see the numbers over my shoulder to the Divini Equipment phone line, Divini Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. Your Kubota dealer, big-time deals through the end of the year, and now is the time to save on the L-Series tractors, construction equipment. You wouldn't believe we're talking literally thousands of dollars off on some of the construction equipment that is on their lot right now at Divini. So go and check them out. The number, if you're listening, here's the number to call. I'd love to hear your voice today. We'll talk about anything you want on this Thursday. 995-1059. That is a 601 number. 995-1059. Now, you want to text me on the text line? We've got some texts coming in. I'm coming to get to those in a minute. Probably it abusing is, us for talking about church. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> 885-ESPN. It's a 601 number also. 885-ESPN. Feel free to tweet me at Radio Wyatt. Hit me up there. And hey to everybody commenting on Facebook, Matt and Barry. Barry is in Asheville. Hey to Dorothy. Norman, hello to you. We'll get you an answer later. And Lynn, who listens whenever possible. Thanks, Lynn, and appreciate your comment as well. And I'll try to keep an eye on those. All right, let's see here. Text line 885-ESPN. Gator Nation up first says, Matt, I've been waiting to send this text. Two questions. Get ready for this, Chiefs fans. Have you ever seen a bigger screw job than what was done to us, the Patriots, on Sunday? And explain to me why these idiot officials blow the whistle taking touchdowns away from people instead of letting the play go and review it. The second part of it there for you, listen, absolutely, they are trained on certain plays, loose ball plays, potential fumble scoop score plays. A lot of those things, they are trained. Let the play go. I've seen them let it go a lot. After the Saints deal earlier this year against the Rams, um, it was re-emphasized. Don't blow it dead. Let it go. We'll review it and make sure. It happened to Mississippi State in the Auburn game uh, three years ago, 2017. Montez Sweat had a scoop score. But the the trigger-fingered, <laughs> itchy trigger-fingered um, official blew it dead, and he shouldn't have. It should have been touchdown state. Um, so I agree with you on that. they got to let it go. Here's the other thing, though. Boo-hoo-hoo. Here's the thing, Gator Nation. You say us, the Patriots, as us. Well, you got five, six, seven rings, one on each finger, on both hands. Cry me a river. You know, probably you may win the whole thing this year. You got the league's best defense. You know, you beat the Chiefs in the playoffs last year in overtime because of an offside penalty. It was the right call. You didn't hear me come on here and boohooing about it either. All right, I'm through. <laughs> okay, um, Ghost Texter says, what is your take on the whole Mike Smith issue at Ole Miss, according to Softball America, who did an investigation into this? It looks like a witch hunt involving a vindictive parent. It's interesting you bring that up. Uh, I don't cover a lot of college softball here, although especially when the teams get in the tournament, they get in the postseason I really enjoy it. It is a fun sport to watch. I just don't, you know, on this show, follow it as closely. We 
a little bit cast a little bit bigger net, it seems sometimes, by sticking to football and basketball and those things. But uh, it is a great sport. And again, you once you do dive in, start following a team in the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament, you see why everybody loves it. It's a great sport. It's really fast and fast-paced, a lot of action. And because there is not like pro women's softball, not, not I'm talking about like Major League Baseball, you don't have something like that, then big-time college softball is the top. It's the echelon. It's the top. And the Women's College World Series, Softball World Series, TV ratings are much bigger, actually, than the ratings on television for the College Baseball World Series. And again, I think that's because anybody anywhere associated with girls softball tunes into that thing. It's a big deal. Okay, so it's a big deal sport. Somebody over the last 24 hours emailed me that link uh, over through the website mattwyattmedia.com. And because I had not really seen or read or knew anything about this. So um, to my friend who sent me the link via email, thank you for that. So anyway, the story is Mike Smith, who's had a lot of success as the softball coach at Ole Miss. He was put on administrative leave, and then he up and uh, resigned. You never know. We didn't cover it on this show, and you don't know. There's all kinds of rumors and that kind of thing. I read the report that was out there according to Softball America, and the picture that that article paints is very clear. It makes no bones about it. They investigated it and did their own interviews. That article basically says that one parent of a walk-on softball player who felt like deserved a scholarship and didn't get it decided they were out for the coach, had quotes from this quote-unquote vindictive parent. The parent said in the quote, I'm a vindictive you-know-what, and I'm going to get this guy. According to the article, if I read it right, they got in touch with that particular parent who was accused of saying this and said, did you say it? And the parent was like, yeah, I said it. Again, that's according to Softball America. Also, according to that article, they had quotes from parents and players. Parents and players. Multiple on that team who all said that they were a part of interviews as a part of the school's investigation and told the school officials, this is crazy. The guy's done nothing wrong. We don't practice too much. He's never, like, touched somebody inappropriately or anything like that. Nothing. It's all crazy. And they still ran him out of town, all because of one vindictive parent. That's the story that is painted in the Softball America article. Now, you're asking me, what is my take on it? I don't really I, I don't really have a take because I don't follow the sport that closely. I don't know the people that are involved and just reading an article that even is very thorough, yeah, it leads you in one direction, but you you can't always just not in 2019. Just because something is published in what looks like a reputable thing and they've got quotes, you can't always take just one side of all this stuff and believe it. I I just will say that Based on the information that is out there and at our fingertips, it looks like 
if he was forced out, it looks like it was wrongfully so. Now it could have been that he actually did resign. That after a period of time and he goes on administrative leave and they look into this stuff and he may have just decided, hey, look, I don't want any part of this anymore. I'm out of here. We, you know, that could have been it. He could have legit resigned and not been forced out. I just don't know those details. Maybe those things come out later. I think after talking about it, I probably need to find the article at Softball America myself and tweet it out. Uh, to you who texted me, if you have that, that uh, link to that Softball America article, maybe text it to me there, and uh, that'll give me a uh, <clears throat> an easy way to copy it and paste it into a tweet, send it out where others can see it. You know, what you never want is for somebody to be accused of something they didn't do and it cost them their job. Don't know for sure that that is the case. Nick on the text line says, check out the video of Jenny Finch pitching to Albert Pujols in his prime. He couldn't touch it. I I'm, I will admit, okay, so in 2000, right? I graduated college in May of 2000. And that same month, I didn't get to walk at graduation. Like right at the end of school, I jumped on an airplane and went to Hamburg, Germany, and I lived there for a year. And when I was in Hamburg, at one point, the U.S. softball team came touring through Europe and doing some different exhibitions and stuff, including one in Hamburg where we got to play some softball against some uh, USA Team USA softball players, including Jenny Finch. And I will admit, pretty much ever since that day, I've had a crush on Jenny Finch. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, all right, but again, okay. I mean, that's you're talking what 2000, what 20 years ago. So at the time, I was 20 years old, 22, 23 years old. Drop dead gorgeous. But uh, athletic and the best, really, there's ever been. Yes, I saw that video. She had Albert Pujols looking silly, swinging the bat at the ball moving around. I mean, it's just, it's a whole different animal. I have great respect for the, uh, for the sport. I really do. Okay, so here is the link. I am copying that link as we speak, I'm going to um, put it in uh, Twitter. I'm going to send it out. If you want to follow me on Twitter, that'd be great. I am at Radio Wyatt. And this link that I'm sending out is just going to be titled Softball Link that we discussed on the show. And uh, there's the tweet, copy and pasted, and sent. So anybody that's listening that wants to check it out for yourself, you can now. It'll be my most recent tweet. All right, let's head over to the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment, Madison and Jackson. Jay, listening in Baltimore. I hadn't heard from you in a while, Jay. It's good to hear your voice. I've got about a minute here before the music starts. Go ahead. Yeah, quick question for you. I haven't heard anything about Tommy Stevens, but what we know, Tommy Stevens was on track to start the Egg Bowl before injury, and I think obviously that means Moorhead saw him as the best chance to win. So wouldn't that mean that a healthy Tommy starts the music city bowl it's a great question jay and i can't figure that one out there's a part of me that goes 
Well, it's obvious that if Schrader is your quarterback of the future, which he is, he's the one that's coming back to lead your team next year. Wouldn't all these practice reps and game reps just benefit him and the program? Schrader plays. But at the same time, it is hugely important to win this game and for the momentum and for Coach Moorhead and for the fan base and everybody, it's very important to win this game. And if they genuinely believe that with the matchup against Louisville that Tommy Stevens, a healthy one, gives him the, you know, the best chance to win, then you may have to go with it. But I, I can't – I'm having a hard time with figuring out, you know, even what I would do or what they will do, Jay. I, I'm anxious to, to watch them start practicing, which I think they begin practice tomorrow, okay? Mm. Um. And maybe we'll start to hear some things out of that, and I'll know a little bit more then as we get into bowl practice next week. But I just I kind of feel like so much of the bowl stuff is about the future. And you won the Egg Bowl with Schrader. I think the team does believe in him. I just think I right now, if it were me, if I had to make a decision today, I'd play Schrader. That's just where I stand on it, Jay. Hey, don't be a stranger. Call me back, man. I always enjoy hearing from you. Will do. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. It's Jay in Baltimore. Big baseball fan. And we get into baseball season. We'll be hearing from Jay a lot. More texts, more calls coming up in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. Listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. All right. Back on the show. Check out Facebook, would you? Facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. Streaming live over there pretty much every day. Not every day, pretty much every day. Maybe it's an oxymoron. When you're feeling pretty. <laughs> Which is never. <laughs> never. I had a funny thing. Um, Brandon Walker of Barstool Sports fame. Mississippian who uh, hit it big, got himself hired away by Barstool Sports, moved to New York City. New York City! And anyway, Brandon and I, big buds, and, you know, we used to share the office. Anyway, he tweeted something along the lines of about having another kid. He and his wife have four children. And Brandon tweeted a picture of himself yesterday with the caption, having five kids isn't going to be that much different than four, I guess. And he's got this little smile on his face. And I thought, well, congrats. That a boy. There you go. I hope they all go to college. Well, I text him a little sarcastic congratulations or something like that. I told him to name the kid after me if it's a boy. And then he texts back, oh, I'm not having another kid. That was just a joke. 
regarding how handsome I look after the makeover. So he was making a joke. He's not having another kid. And I go back and look at the picture, and he's got a new little, you know, little um, like boy band type hairdo or something with product in his hair. And he's smiling at the camera because of a haircut. And he said something about being handsome. So I just texted him back the truth and told him that he's as handsome as a wet mule. (laughs) And I have yet to hear anything from Brandon. Smells the same. (laughs) He. Uh, On Facebook, my mother-in-law is watching the stream right now. And uh, she is recovering from knee replacement surgery. In Vicksburg. So hello, Debbie. She says, hey, my son-in-law, seeing and hearing you makes me feel better. Well, we'll do that more often. I'll call and check, and we'll come see you soon. Hang in there. Take care of Wink. Big Wink. Big Winky. Is your hat today, uh, is that like a are you, is that a plug? Are you getting paid? No, not getting paid. Indianola Pecan House. I went to Indianola Pecan House in Indianola, Mississippi earlier this year. And they gave me a hat. I had on a hat earlier that's one that does not have mesh, and it's a little warm in here in the office. And so it was just hot, so I put one on with mesh so my head could breathe a little bit, Roger. Is that TMI? Does anybody even care about any of that? I doubt it, very seriously. Sweating out the top of your head. Yeah, I know. I know. I got that song whenever you know you feel like it, if you feel like it. I got, got it. It's clean. You've got the song? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, since we're talking about making people feel better, including my mother-in-law, who is also, like me, Baptist, (laughs) here is the aforementioned, Roger has pulled the song for us, the aforementioned song, First Baptist Bar and Grill by the late, great comedian, Tim Wilson. Here's a little song for the Baptists. Well, the church burned down and no one knew what Pentecost Baptist was going to do. The brimstone got so that gum hot it burned up a church bus in the parking lot. In a panic, the Reverend Dr. White called up an ex-member that hadn't lived right. He owned Joe's beer joint right across the fence. It's the same Joe's he preached against. He said, I don't really want to be a hypocrite. I got a Sunday school class. It's about we're all excited about revival week. Been moved by the spirit, so to speak. <laughs> With all the souls we saved and money we spent, we thought God told us to sell that tent. I got a famous evangelist supposed to come. I've run out of chairs. Will you loan us some? Joe said, well, you can just use a whole dang place. Ain't nine on the jukebox, amazing grace. I ain't supposed to be open because of them blue laws. We'll open the night. It's all right with y'all. Preacher says, well, I reckon it'd be okay. The good Lord works in mysterious ways. It's going to talk about Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. I reckon I could do it from the DJ booth. <laughs> At the First Baptist Bar and Grill. It's the only church in the Bible Belt that smells like a whiskey still. When the sinners finish one more round, we'll have dinner on the ground and go inside and pray Hope we, we don't, don't get killed. <laughs> the evangelists came with a well-dressed choir. They showed up around happy hour, looked around the joint and didn't take it real well, so the white ministry has gone to hell. Miss <laughs> Mills had taught youth Sunday school and two dickens in the back room shooting pool were sharing the Lord with a Jim Beam rep, teaching Miss Mills some line dance steps. <laughs> Reverend White was reading from the book of Luke to a tall drunk trucker about to puke had John 316 memorized trying to draw him out to get him baptized the evangelist yelled about the lights and the beer said white you can't save any souls in here this place ain't nothing but a den of sin ain't the kind of place Baptist ought to be in 
Preacher says, well, we don't really need y'all here. You didn't do a very good job last year. You only saved one sinner. That's Todd McGuire. He's a little something set my church on <laughs> Now what he's doing now, we don't really know, but he's got his hat on backwards and he's sitting in the sixth row and he acts like he knows a lot about David Allen Coe. <laughs> At the First Baptist Bar and Grill. Bringing it home now. It's the only church in the Bible Belt that smells like a whiskey still. Not a stained glass window anywhere in sight. Just a bloodstained floor and neon lights and a communion wine and here's always chill. <laughs> and we're here every Sunday. We're living large. The only church with a covered charm. <laughs> and if you don't like our doctrine and think we ain't devout, we'll have our three bouncers throw your side <laughs> of the First Baptist Bar and Grill. Yeah, baby. That's Tim Wilson. Lord of mercy. You, I don't care who you are. You know that's funny. I don't care who you are. We'll you cleanse know. the palate with a little band <clears throat> music here in a minute. There you go. Okay. Uh, I want to get to a couple things. Comments on Facebook on the live stream there. Josh had a question. He said, Matt, how long do you think Lane Kiffin will last at Ole Miss? Listen, it's impossible to predict with any degree of certainty how long somebody's tenure is going to last as a head coach in the SEC or how it's going to go. Good, bad, mediocre. It's impossible to predict that. You've seen too many instances where what you thought were givens weren't, where bad hires that you thought were bad hires weren't, they turn out to be good ones. Find all the examples. You can find a million examples. Will Muschamp was a can't miss. Eh. Kirby Smart, can't miss. Well, you've done really well, but eh, maybe not to lived up to the recruiting to this point. Everybody pointed and snickered and laughed at Ed Orgeron. I did. I, well, I didn't laugh at necessarily him being hired as a coach, but I laughed at the fact that they gave him a $10 million buyout on his first contract when, as someone said, he would have crawled through glass to sign the contract without a buyout. And it's true. But a lot of people did make fun of that hire. Look at him now. His agent wouldn't let him crawl through the glass. Right. So... I mean, it's impossible to tell how it's going to go and how long it's going to last. What we definitively know is that when a program has reached rock bottom, the hire has to inspire the fan base right away so that they will... The, the fan base kind of creates the energy and the momentum before the team has ever won anything. Listen, the same thing happened when Mississippi State... Hired Dan Mullen. Remember, spread the fun. Here comes the spread offense. A guy who just won a national championship as an offensive coordinator coaching Tim Tebow. The excitement sold tickets and and began a little momentum for that program before they had ever played a game. State had reached rock bottom. They had to have that. And I think Ole Miss has made the right hire in that regard. It's the way it is. Good question, Josh. Chop it up with all corn a little bit to the break. We'll be right back.
You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Here we go, back on the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau Go, with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Local agents, hometown heroes in all 82 counties across the great state of Mississippi. And you can see who they are um, if you're just curious who the local Farm Bureau agents are in your county or in your town. You can look it up by city. You can look it up by county at favorites.com we also stay connected to you around the clock 24 7 both live on the radio and when we're not on the radio i stay connected to you with this thing right here this iphone thanks to cspire the number one network in mississippi cspire customer inspired you want the perfect christmas gift for everyone on your list C Spire has you covered. Get offers like your choice of top smartphones free with a trade-in. How about a free line of unlimited for a year when you switch two lines? And more at cspire.com. Check them out. C Spire. Customer inspired. On the text line, Ghost Text says, when Ole Miss goes 4-8 and 5-7 and and next year, how restless will the natives be in Oxford? When you start to try to answer that, you, you can only we can only answer it by being speculative or in a hypothetical. We don't know for sure they're going to be four and eight or five and seven, but we do know the schedule is tough next year. Or at least we've heard that. What is the schedule next year? You want to look it up? Let's do that. We'll look that up. While we do that, let me again. For me, I'm a state guy. I'm also a huge baseball fan. So like all the analogies I make on things, if I pay attention, people have told me this before, for me it's always either a Mississippi State analogy or anecdote or it's a baseball analogy or anecdote to illustrate points that I'm trying to say. And apparently I do this a lot. So here's a state one for you. The Sylvester Croom tenure ended and stayed hired Dan Mullen. Spread offense genius coach, right? From a national championship program at Florida, right? And before they ever played a game, an actual game, people bought tickets, came to the spring game, spread the fun. They named the spring game. All these different things. And there was excitement. They'd had no offense. They'd not been competitive the year before. They'd lost to the rival at the end, right? And that first year under Dan Mullen, what did they go? Five and seven. But they went five and seven by winning the Egg Bowl at home at the end of the year. So that was feather in his cap, number one, right? Was beating the rival in the first year of being a head coach at Mississippi State, even though he was five and seven. The other thing was they had a great shot that year to beat LSU, right? Remember how at that time how long it had been since State was competitive with LSU? 
And in Dan Mullen's first year, they almost beat him right there on the goal line, a chance to score and beat him. A close game that they lost against Houston, but you know, eventual Heisman candidate, Case Keenum, all that kind of stuff. But they were five and seven. But there was something about the way they went five and seven, including a win over the rival at the end of the year, that even though they missed out on a bowl that first year, the entire fan base felt like there was progress. You had the excitement after beating Ole Miss. And Dan Mullen grabbed the microphone and said, hey, there's one program in this state going in the right direction. You know that whole thing. So there, it's about the way you go 5-7, and seven, not exactly 5-7. and seven. That is important in a situation like this. Look, Ole Miss has missed bowl games four straight years. Their schedule next year. They open with Baylor, a team that was in the Big 12 championship. Matt Rule has done a phenomenal job at Baylor. Uh, Baylor will be likely a big favorite in that game. So they open with a tough non-conference in Houston, Texas at NRG Stadium. And then it's Southeast Missouri. Okay, And then they will host Auburn next year in Week 3. They will go to LSU in week four and then host Alabama in week five. So four of their first five opponents are Baylor, Auburn, LSU, and Alabama. Two of those away from home, LSU and Baylor. They'll have a road trip at Vanderbilt in the middle of October and then turn around and host Florida. They host UConn. Road trips back-to-back in November at Texas A&M and Arkansas. Host Georgia Southern, host Mississippi State. So it's home game heavy. It's just, I don't know that if you're Ole Miss, if you could pick in year one, you'd kind of like it to be road game heavy so that year two, when uh, he's got the thing on the tracks, you can be home game heavy. But it is not an easy schedule by any stretch. All right, uh, Divinity Equipment phone line, Derek hanging on from Brandon. What's up, Derek? Matt, what's going on, bud? Hey, man. Uh, I'll touch on the uh, the MSU and, and Ole Miss real quick, and uh, then I'll move on to my question I promise you I'd call you about. But uh, I think that this this hire is uh, something that needs, at Ole Miss, something needs to be, uh, it's good. It needs to be embraced by both schools because, when I, I think when you don't have that fire between the schools, um, the recruiting, um, it, it really, you know, when you had Dan Mullen and you had Hugh Freeze, yeah. you can say what you want to about the 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 petty comments they had back and forth towards another, one another, but look at the competition you have between the schools themselves and their opponents. Mm-hmm. These schools need that. You know, they need something that pushes them at least compete with the other school when both of them when both of the programs are down it's bad it's just bad you know so when when one's good and one's one's okay um to me it just uh it kind of takes away from the state attention to our football program and 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 that hurts recruiting overall so i think that any attention that's brought to our schools you know aside from the obvious negative attention is going to be good attention. I think that Lane Kiffin hire does well for both programs if you look at the the bigger picture thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there there's a lot of truth to that. If you look over the years, 
the the schools have always kind of played hopscotch with each other as well in, in some ways. And you look at facilities. You know, a, a lot of facilities improvements at each school can be directly linked to facility improvements at the other school. The whole keeping up with each other and keeping up with Joneses sort of thing. And I mean, there's a lot of things that happen independent of each other. But but there's a lot of truth in what you say, Derek. I agree with that. What what was your question? Yeah. I just wanted to give you a follow-up call because I called you about Georgia and I told you they were going to get boat raced on that game. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> they sure did. They sure I, did, yeah. And I, Man, I really, after that call, I really wanted to take you. I talked to my wife. I was like, Matt thinks we're going to have a chance. <laughs> but I, uh, I do think you're going to see a completely different team uh, versus Baylor. And I think Georgia will take them. Um, I think they match up better uh, against Baylor than they do LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, hell, I think I think Matt Luke was a great addition, and you know, given the people you could have brought in to replace uh, Pittman. Yeah, uh, I mean it's a huge loss. Don't get me wrong, but uh, Matt Ru- Matt Luke's a fiery guy. Um, uh, he may not have showed it on the sideline, but he's he's a good recruiter as well. Yeah, he is, line. and he knows what he's doing. Listen. You know, he played for David Cutcliffe. He coached for him for a lot of years. Um, and he did an excellent job with that offensive line when he was the O-line coach at Ole Miss under Freeze. He knows what he's doing, for sure. I mean, there's a reason that they, that, you know, Georgia goes out there and gets him. Mean, of course, you know, Georgia needs that that position coach, but it really worked out perfectly, I think, for for Luke and for Georgia. I agree. Hey, Derek, appreciate your call. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. What's yeah, up? No. I, well, I just wanted you to touch on one thing that, that I'm not really familiar with and I'm, I'm sure you are. With these late-season hires before the bowl games and right in the middle of everything and, you know, and, and right before the end of the season, um, how does that affect the recruiting classes of these schools? Yeah. And I'll, I'll take your uh, answer off there. Yeah, I appreciate it, Derek. You know, they can always have an effect, um, but every recruit is different. The situations are different, different recruits, different schools, and this is a vague answer, but it's kind of like snowflakes. You know, each individual situation can be a little different. They they do have an effect. I mean, I would say that overall, there's a reason why you see so many of these assistant coaching changes after signing day, especially after this first one. And I think it's because the belief is in the coaching industry, you know, that skipping around here and there can affect these recruits but you know overall in the SEC it doesn't it doesn't have as much of an effect I think as maybe it does in other parts of the country because look across college football anybody involved in it any kid that's being recruited you're one of 14 schools that play in the best conference with the most exposure against the best teams week in and week out it's where people want to play. You know, you have more teams from the SEC in the top 25 in recruiting classes than any other conference. Everybody can go sign good players. It's just the Georgias and Alabamas sign more fours and fives. Hour one in the books. Hour two coming up. Stick around. <laughs> 